In today's episode, we discuss love. And how do you know when you're really in love? Stand by, true believers. Another episode of You're Not My Father is here. Welcome back to You're Not My Father, the best family-friendly podcast from Alaska and this side of Anchorage. I'm your host, Thomas Brando Greenman. I'm a father, a husband, and my curiosity and mistakes have given me a world of experiences that I want to share with you and maybe even make you laugh. Our podcast is made just for you to learn something positive, something that you can apply to your life as a parent, kid, or otherwise. So without further ado, let's do this. Today's show is not sponsored by any of those little nasty candy hearts that you get at Valentine's Day that have messages on them that says, I love you and other stuff. We don't like that. Gollum doesn't like it. But hey, if you've got disposable income and you feel like you want to spread the word on your product on our show, let us know at ynmfshow.com. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about two separate subjects. But first, let's talk about the remote control paradigm. <laughs> and like most things, I have something witty to say about it. By the power of Netflix, I have the power. It's a lot of power. You know, growing up, I may not have always been aware of the power of the remote control. Just think about it. Complete cosmic powers of the TV at your disposal or rather your thumb. So back in the eighties, I really just thought it was kind of cool that I didn't have to get up and change the channel. Um, it was much more of a convenience back then. Before that, I was the remote control for my father or my family, but it was kind of an invention for the lazy. And so when being exposed to cable television for the first time and having all these thousands of channels, it was kind of in hog heaven. <clears throat> So fast forward to the modern day, same channel, mind you, I'm presented with an entirely different use of the remote, the remote control. It's called the quest for power. Now, let me explain very carefully the rules behind this. Whoever has the remote control controls the TV. There you go. There's, there's, there's the rules. End of story. You got it? I hope so, because my children understand it arguably since they were around two years old. And I'll never forget the day it happened. I forget everything except for the fact that my son lusted after that remote control because I, the daddy, I could magically make Mickey Mouse or Paw Patrol appear like a first-rate conjurer. 
He desired this power so much that like a cannibal, his little infant self, he thought he could claim this power by eating the remote control. So unlike a cannibal, his masticating skills weren't so developed. So it was more like a freezer pop. And so sadly, all that was left for me to do was get angry because my magic wand couldn't conjure my shows. Stripped of my powers, I did the only thing a cheap dad would do. I searched Amazon for a new remote control. So fast forward three more years, and we're like on our third or fourth remote control. Probably more like seventh or eighth. The oral history of cosmic power sometimes gets a little fuzzy. <laughs> My son's quest for power also has taken a toll on its initially ingenious methods we were used to combat another problem. Hiding the remote control. At first it seems like a small issue. Where is the remote control, I ask? The whole family looks at me like, Rutro, I don't know. Meanwhile, I'm in a panic because how can I eat my food without the TV? It's getting cold. What do I do? I know. I'm going to threaten them by taking away the power of the remote control for a week. That'll work. And you know what? It does. The remote control is found, dinner is saved, and the harmony of the house is restored. Now, this time, you know, we don't have the power to control the pandemic or political bickering or the nuclear proliferation of Instagram influencers or Russian Ukraine, but all that is wholly and sacred to Jeff Bezos, we do have the power TV. And that is a power that makes anyone into a king or queen of their own house. Now, funny enough, <laughs> talking about this in the early hours of the morning, my son had come to interrupt me. And I think he's giving me a goodbye hug and that he's in love with his dad and he wants to make everything right with the world. And he kisses me and he tells me, I put the remote controller where you could find it. And so at last, I have some respect for the awesome power I wield through the remote control. Although sometimes I do let them take turns. So moving forward into the subject of love, I'm going to quote somebody. How do you know when it's love? I can't tell you, but it lasts forever. So Sammy Hagar sang those lyrics way back in 1988 for Van Halen. I think Sammy said it best by asking questions, in turn giving you an opportunity, the listener, to reflect on those questions yourself. The advice he gave was in those lyrics but the question itself kind of remains. And as somebody who has lived in love several times, in several ways, I can tell you this, I'm no expert. And even if I was, what worked for me may not work for you. And the reason behind that is pretty simple. We're all unique people. And that's kind of the key to love itself. We all have a different idea of what love is and isn't. 
It's often been romanticized in modern history as being a courtly love. In his fashion, it was kind of a man vying for love of a woman. But I tell you what, haven't times changed? That romantic ideal, <clears throat> which would confuse you know, a lot of people with that biblical idea of marriage, it's kind of similar on the outset in some ways, but in a lot of ways it's still very different. But I'm not going to take this time to debate that type of stuff with you. And honestly, I wouldn't feel it's worth my time. But love is more of a feeling. You know, what, what does it mean to you? And what does it mean to somebody else? So how do you know when you're in love? So let's try to find that answer together. And here's a story. Maybe it fits. Maybe it doesn't. But like a good story, I think there's a lesson to be learned here. And in the beginning, <laughs> from that time whenever you just hit puberty until you've hit 18, love is overwhelming. And by that, I mean it's hard to control, if not impossible. Your body is awash with hormones. And sometimes you're not even sure why your body is reacting. But it just does. And if you're a guy... <laughs> You probably get erections for no reason at all. I mean, let's face it, you're just a mess. And at this stage, you're probably better off just getting attuned to your body and what's really going on instead of worrying about love. Sure, you could use it, but having control is better. Emotionally, you'd probably do stupid things, amazing things, or even amazingly stupid things for someone. I'd liken this period of life as like a beta test. You're not quite ready for prime time, but you're going through the motions and experiences. And that seems like the better option. Love is like a chemical cocktail for you at this point that can kind of overwhelm you. It's not to say that love couldn't be for you, but if everybody's drunk on hormones, can you really say you meant what you said and did? Either way, I'd say take this as your practice time. But let's move a little forward to after 18, you're in high school or, or somewhere around there, and you're a little bit cocky. You've left the nest of your existing peer group, and maybe you've flown to other places, maybe college. I mean, it might be exotic and alluring and full of intrigue, and that might be you. That may be how people perceive you. You're a bit of a mystery. You can rewrite yourself as whomever you want. You have access to a different world. Hormones that threw you in a hyperdrive and they were in control. This time you've got some control over it. You know, the hormones are kind of the backseat drivers. At least that's what you kind of think. Maybe it's your time to try and sample everything. Kind of like what you would do at different restaurants. You want to see what everything is like, what this is like, what that's like. It's a journey of exploration. You never know what the future may have for you. You might know where what you want to have here, and it might be correct. And love can be a real emotion, whether you respect that person, you're attracted to them, you feel like you want to go the rest of the way with them. More importantly, 
Maybe you even care about whether they feel the same way about you or not. Maybe you're not jealous, per se, but you have a genuine desire for their well-being. But I'll tell you, the level of confidence is too high for you to be able to tell. It's going to keep going on way into your 20s. And then let's just say 30 hits you in the face. It's a cold splash of water that wakes you up. Maybe it doesn't happen on your birthday or somewhere along that year. But you start to feel your age. The life you may have wanted, maybe that's too late. And so now you've got your own story to tell, as opposed to some story that was assigned to you. Maybe it's one that you're free to write however you like. Whether or not you're desperate or relieved, there's a certain freedom that comes with having all that weight taken off your shoulders. Think Atlas with the weight of the world. That's you. Once that rock is gone, you're probably not going to put another rock back on there. And you're open to this relationship, having whatever it is that you want. And maybe it's not what you envisioned. Maybe it's not the same person of your dreams way back in those other days. But you're probably a different person than the one that dreamt that a long time ago. Maybe there's kids involved in this relationship that you're having. Maybe things are pretty complicated. But maybe you've just done with the drama. You're looking for something meaningful. And maybe not so complicated. You want the fit of a well-worn pair of blue jeans. Because it not only looks good on you, but it feels good too. And that's one story about love, but let's talk about another. You know, love can be a partnership, kind of like a business partner. You're both committed to a mission. Maybe it's to have kids and raise them to be amazing people. It's kind of like going into business. Everybody does it, but you're going to do it just a little bit differently. You've got your own brand and you want them to be a part of that. You grow them up to be the best they can. And then someday, maybe they'll take over that business and start it all over again. You retire, you check in from time to time. You look at your partner and you're thankful for what you've done with the time you've had together. If you had to do it all over again, maybe you wouldn't change a thing. Well, maybe a few things. (laughs) But overall, it's been a satisfying ride. Of course, all these are just stories, kind of cobbled together from experiences I've shared, been a part of, or heard from other people. But I'll tell you the truth of it all. There's no greater love than the love you have for one of your kids. It's a deep, powerful emotion. One that you'd give your life up for in a heartbeat if there was no other way. One where you'd watch a Netflix show where they harm kids all of a sudden you kind of become angry. Angry at the fictionalized people to the show. Then at the sh- people who wrote the show. I mean, how dare you toy with my emotions? Maybe you spend a little bit of your time looking at photos and videos of your kids.
and you're just in complete awe of them. You daydream sometimes about the people they'll be, but you want them to stay with you as long as possible. It's kind of a love that takes a villain, a thief. You're always on the lookout for, for them. That love makes time a villain, a thief. You're always on the lookout for it. But you still have a life, but you balance it. With this scale that moves and adjusts depending on the day. Oh, love, it's so many things. Love is kind of just an emotion. But it's more than one. It's a combination of so many. We are imperfect people, born to imperfect people. But we try. We try to be better. We strive for it. And love is that. It's wrong in so many ways, but it's also trying to be better. You can't really explain it because it changes. It morphs. It's dynamic. It's a feeling that you know when it's there. <laughs> a billion greeting cards. Song lyrics. Movies, stories have never been able to steal what you'll know. When it's there, you're going to care no matter what. And it will mean something different to you than it does to me. It's a perspective. It's beautiful. It's a smile. You'll know it. Chances are you probably already know it. The truth of it is you have to choose wisely. You can try your hand at finding someone, making it work or trying to make it work. But too much effort can spoil things. It's better to see what happens. Just live your life the way you want to. And if love comes along and compliments your life, you've got a great partner to travel the rest of your days with. So I haven't thought about doing a... Uh, cooking episode up until this point, but I did today. <clears throat> I think, and sorry, I'm still getting over bronchitis. It's probably allergy season too. Um, dads, dads are known for cooking tasty meat. You know, I, I think this, the stereotype is that baked goods or something that women do really well. And the grill and meat are things that guys do really well. And honestly, maybe it's true. Maybe it's a it's a it's something that it's just a stereotype and it's further perpetuated by culture, tradition, and history. But um I love baking, but I like having baking workbench. I like to have all my t materials out in one spot. I like to be able to make a mess. A lot of times I don't feel like I'm, my kitchen is really set up to do that. Baking should be like a garage. You've got your tools, you've got your ingredients. You're going to make a mess. You need a big area to work with. And then you put it into something that has a fire, 
and it's going to transmogrify it. It's going to turn it into something tasty. So I like baking. As a guy, that's probably, as a guy that's not a chef, or not a master of the uh, culinary arts, <laughs> um, yeah, it's kind of odd, I guess. But to balance that out, I do incredibly well with meat. Like, really well. Like, most of my life, for the most part. And so I'm not going to turn this into a, a cooking episode, but I will share with you a very simple recipe that I did today. And I did it hasty. Hastily. I did it quick. I did it lazy. And I'm all about making food in a lazy way. But tasty. Like, if you put in low effort, but achieve maximum results... Isn't that kind of the best way to cook? Nobody wants to spend a ton of time cooking, but you want tasty results. So anyway, I'm going to tell you how I did some tasty meat today. So number one, meat is only as good as the meat that you get. If you get horrible meat, you know, not a good cut or, um, yeah, if it's not good meat, it's just not going to taste really good later on. There's only you you can amplify it a little bit. You can make it taste a little bit better, but it's it's its potential will never be realized or even close. So if you're going to get meat, get good meat. Um now there are different cuts of meat that can taste better if you do them properly. And and more often than not they're they're not a multi-purpose meat like ground beef. You can do a lot of stuff with ground beef. You can make tacos. You can make hamburgers. You can do all kinds of stuff. But we're talking about like roast, like chuck steak roast type of thing. The roast is kind of a, it's, it's not a popular thing in 2022. Or maybe it is. I don't know. I don't hear people talk about it. Man, I love a good roast. Or, you know, what I really have been... Dying for is a good roast. Just don't hear that too often. But a roast can be tasty. So here's what I did. Went to the store. Got a roast. It was uh, cheap. I think it was three, four, five pounds. I think it was like 11 bucks. It was on sale. But it was, and this is the key, USDA choice. So whenever you hear USDA prime, USDA choice, prime is at the top. Choice is just below that. And what does what do these mean? Essentially, it's a grading system on how much fat is composed into the meat. It's like a certain percentage of meat that's kind of incorporated, the fat that's been incorporated into the meat. So people think of fat, well, I can't have fat. Fat is bad for you, and, and you shouldn't have, everything should be zero fat. I'm sorry. If you're eating meat... You need fat. Fish. Fish is good for you. Fish has fat. You don't see it, but it's incorporated in there. So there's a lot of things that kind of go into cooking that people don't really understand. Fat is good. Now, if you're just eating a hunk of fat, maybe not. Maybe not so good. I'm not a fan of that. But if it's marbled... And that's what we're talking about, USD Choice, USDA Prime. The fat 
is marbled throughout the meat. <clears throat> so proportionally, there's fat within the muscle fibers. And so prime has a lot of that. Therefore, it's going to be more, more flavorful. And that's why it costs more. They're not charging you more because there's something in there that tastes bad and that you don't want. No. Follow the money. Smell the money. That's where the food is. <laughs> oh my God, I sound so stupid when I say that. Okay, so let's, let's back it up. I've got a roast. It's USDA choice. I've been sitting on it. So tonight, I'm recording this Wednesday night. One of my buddies, Luke, who's been on the show... This is typically the night he comes over. He likes to eat. So do I. We usually make something. I was saving that for tonight. Well, he canceled out on me. Well, that's a shame for him because his food's great. Um, so I was, we need to make something because by the time we get off work, we have kids coming. We pick up kids, our kids, nobody else's kids. Um, you know, we've, we've got this, you know, at six o'clock, six thirty. You know, you don't want to spend two hours cooking and then eat and then just go straight to bed and try to get up and do it all over again the next day. You got to be quick. You got to, you got to put that food on the table. So here's what I did. God, I'm setting all this stuff up, but really in, in reality it is, it's instant pot roast. Doesn't sound good, does it? Well, you'd be wrong. It's tasty, incredibly tasty. Here's what I do. I've got a lot of spices. I've got good spices. So I put the roast in the bottom of the Instapot. Now this has got a lot of fat on it, so I'm not going to add butter. I'm not going to add oil. I don't need it. So I got a few things. I have Kinder's. It's a spice company. Roasted garlic. It looks orange. Fantastic garlic flavor. I can't recommend this enough. Ever since I found it, I keep it in sock like several bottles. It's great. It's not overpowering. It's just, it's incredibly great flavor. So I put some of this <clears throat> on top of the roast. Also take some uh, Nor chicken stock that I've got. Actually, I'm sorry. There's Nor chicken stock. There's two kinds I carry. I carry, like I'm a store. There's two types I have in my cupboard. One is chicken stock with tomato, which is amazing. You should totally have. And one's beef. I put the beef in there because I wanted it to be beefier, but there's also a heavy element of salt. So I'm getting some salt in there. Um, it's kind of a stock. So when I add the water, it's going to, it's going to almost be, it's going to be stock. It's basically what it's going to be. So Kinder's onion powder. Um, I'm sorry. Yeah. Onion, onion powder. Granulated onion. Sorry. I didn't think about it granulated onion, um, kosher salt, fresh ground cracked pepper, um, liquid smoke, not just any liquid smoke. Liquid smoke is typically not good unless it's Calkins. It's the one that has the little log cabin on it. That's the one that you want. Um, it's usually white label, that type of stuff. So that's pretty much it. I put that all into one pot. Um, I pour some water into it and I've got probably like an inch or two off the bottom. So it's not going to boil the meat, but it's going to keep that uh, pressure or whatever. Um, so yeah, 
meat goes in the pot, some spices, a little bit of water. Um, yeah, I put it on slow cook for nine hours. I did this before I left this morning, taking the kids to school. By the time I came home, I wanted to take a look at it. I got a little piece, fork tender, just pulls right apart. Super great, incredible. Take a bite. It's out of this world. Super great. Amazing. Wonderful. Um, and you can look at the meat and it's still red. It's not gray. It's wonderful. Oh, right. And I did put smoked paprika in there. Makes a good color. And, uh, oh, yeah, and a little red pepper. Anyway, I'll, I'll create an actual recipe for this type of thing. Um, but, you know, it's kind of funny. So I work with my wife and we were trying to cook leftover stuff that we'd had in the refrigerator at work. And she was like, well, why aren't you following the instructions? I typically don't follow the instructions. I'm that kind of guy. Um, you know, from a cooking standpoint, what are you doing? You know, if it's food or vegetable, you're trying to create, you know, you're heating it up. And typically, if you're making it a microwave, let's face it, that's what you're doing. You're just heating it up. But um, I told her, I was like, you know, I don't care about the instructions. It's just going to get heated. and Yeah, there you go. Um, so in a lot of ways, whenever I cook in the kitchen, I like to experiment. Um, I'm not trying to rewrite the rules, but I'm not too concerned with like, I have to take it up to a certain temperature for a certain amount of time and have all these scientific processes really in place, which in a, in a way, you know, a recipe is, is kind of like a science type of experiment. You know, if you do all these exact things, this is the reaction or the, the expected outcome of it. Now I'm a big fan of Alton Brown. <clears throat> but one of the things that I have noticed about him is sometimes he's very casual with his cooking. And I feel like I'm the same way. I would much rather throw something together and have an idea of like what it should be close to tasting like instead of spending, you know, 20, 30 minutes measuring stuff and preparing all these different things. <clears throat> I would just, let's just go with it. Let's create something new. Let's do something wild, wacky, or wonderful, you know, hash brown casserole. It's like, okay, I can make all these things separately. I'm just going to put them together in some weird kind of way. And, um, yeah, it usually turns out pretty well. I mean, I'll have failed experiments that don't necessarily work out too well. But overall, they turn out pretty, pretty tasty. Um so I, I would encourage you as the wonderful people that you are to be more creative in the kitchen. Do some unexpected things or, or at least don't have a fear of straying off the path and off script and away from the recipe. <clears throat> be a little spontaneous, do it a little different. Um, sometimes it's incredibly tasty results. Kind of like today's podcast, a little bit of it was scripted. Some of it was way off, 
<laughs> script. Um, me adding this cooking part in there was totally off script, but um, I hope that maybe it it gave you some some interesting takes on what you can do in the kitchen. But big fan of the Instapot. There's a lot of great Instapot recipes out there. Um, use it. An air fryer and an Instapot are two of the most versatile things that have come out of the last two years that we use on a regular basis. Um, unless you're baking. baking. Baking is probably one of those things that you can't really quite wing a whole bunch of stuff. Because there are very specific chemical reactions going on inside carbs and wheat and um, baking soda, baking powder. Um, yeah, there's, there's definitely some more science going on in there, but um, we really appreciate you guys hanging in here with us in these past few episodes. Having bronchitis has definitely made my podcast feel a little underwhelming to me. Um, so thank you for sticking with us and listening to these. <laughs> we really appreciate it. Um, I imagine by next week I should be almost a hundred percent recovered, but as you can tell my voice is still not quite there, but we're still here. We're still here for you. If you need somebody in your corner and damn it, <laughs> sick or not, we're still going to show up. We're always going to show up. We're always going to be in your corner. We love you guys. You're fans of us. Man, are we fans of you. Um, be sure to subscribe to us. You know, make sure that you're getting your weekly dose of You're Not My Father. We're available wherever fine podcasts are bought, sold, traded, given away, subscribed to. And if you found this podcast useful in any way, please spread the word on your social media. If you're a fan on Reddit, tell your Reddit friends. If it's on Facebook, Drop a mention. Um, give your pets a hug. Cats are cute. Dogs are cool. Tell them, say, that You're Not My Father podcast is pretty good. Then your cat looks at you like you're an idiot. But that's it for us. Uh, <laughs> we love you guys. Um, take it easy. Stay positive. And remember, good vibes only. And good meat only? 